Warm intros run the world. It's how humans translate trust with each other. If you want to break into a network, get someone from that network to vouch for you, and getting in is much easier. With that said, I don't know how this has happened, but in 2023, getting a warm intro has never been harder. There are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people aiming to get into very exclusive networks, and the warm intro model isn't effective anymore. There's too much noise for the signal. So if you are a professional, if you're someone that wants to expand your network, what is someone to do? Well, you could spend your time cold emailing, sending LinkedIn emails, and hoping one of 100 people replies to get you a coffee meeting that leads nowhere, or you could do something different. And today's episode is sponsored by SeedScout, which allows you to do something different. SeedScout is a platform that allows you to request introductions to other people on the network with a click of a button. No more sending long emails, no more sending, doing all this research, right? It's simple. You send an intro request. If they want to meet you, they accept, and you're instantly introduced. SeedScout is an alternative way to expand your network that gives someone more context than a cold email, but it's faster to achieve than that warm introduction. So if you are a sick of spending hours, days, weeks, months, even years trying to break into new networks and you just want to try something new, I would check out seedscout.com, S-E-E-D, scout.com. Let's get into today's episode and thanks for listening. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Deval Patel, who's the founder of Lotus. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, excited to have you on. Looking forward to learning more about what you are working on. So my first question is, what are you working on? What is Lotus? Well, for people with limited mobility, we've created a wearable ring that controls objects at home by pointing. But unlike typical home tech, so unlike Alexa, there's no apps, no rewiring, and no internet. Well, that's fascinating. Let's dive a little a little deeper into that. So let's say I had the ring on my finger here. What could I, What help me understand, what can I do with it? Walk me through maybe, you know, some use cases or some, if someone was to use it, what would their experience be like? Yeah, so maybe, maybe let's take a step back. Let's start from the problem. So let's say, you know, you've been gifted an Amazon Echo speaker. What do you have to do next? Well, the first step is if you wanted to control your lights, you have to rewire your existing light switches in order to connect to the internet to talk to Alexa, right? Then you have to repeat that process everywhere. So if you want smart lights in the kitchen, you got to rewire your kitchen lights. If you want smart lights in the bedroom, you got to rewire your bedroom lights. And just that step one, usually for a typical single family home in the US can take 11 hours or $2,000 and more if you hire a contractor. That's step one. Now, once you've rewired your wall switches, 
you need to put smart speakers in every room to control those switches, right? So if you want smart lights in the kitchen, you gotta put a smart speaker there and smart speaker in the bedroom and bathroom. And that's assuming you're okay putting smart speakers in private rooms, like bedrooms and bathrooms, which a lot of people we spoke to were not comfortable. And step three, once you've done the rewiring and you've replicated a speaker in every room, then you have to pair every single switch one by one to those speakers through another app, every single one. And so that whole process makes it very tedious. It's why market penetration of smart home technology, even though it's been around for over 10 years, is very low. It's about 18 to 22%. And this affects everyone that if, you know, 91% of US homes were built before smart homes existed, but there's no easy way to upgrade. So as much as it affects everyone, it disproportionately affects people with limited mobility, soldiers, older adults, disabled persons who are spending up to four hours at home on self-care daily. So with Lotus, all you have to do is put on the ring, snap on a switch cover, and point and click. And it is literally just those three steps and that's it. So you you go from home to smart home in seconds and I can talk more about the technology in a second. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, I have to ask, like, tell me about the origin story. How'd you land on solving this problem and, and how'd you land on that product solution? Sounds sounds complicated for you to make it easy for, for us. So I'd love to learn more about, <laughs> about how it works. It is true. And so I guess a little bit of my own story, I was born with twisted knees. And over the years, I've been on and off crutches. And one night a few years ago, I had gotten into bed at the end of a long day, only to realize I'd left the hallway lights on. But I was too tired to get out of bed, hop onto my crutches, hobble 10 feet, turn off the light, hobble back 10 feet, and get back into bed. So I slept with the lights on the entire night and woke up in the morning, not having slept well, thinking, well, if someone like me, an engineer, from Apple, I used to manage an org at Apple with expertise in wall electronics because I've also worked at Lutron Electronics. If I don't even have smart home technology, who the hell does? And that got me thinking one thing led to another and we found it was. I love that. I, I, I'm curious as you're, as you're working on it, what do you, I guess two, two questions. What was your day to day when you were building the product? It, is it was it hard to know what to build, or was it you you kind of had an idea in your brain? You just have to get the you know get it together, or, or or was it just like was it just a journey talking to users, figuring out what needed to be built? Both, I, I would say I had the idea, but I initially I was convinced it was a stupid idea. I was convinced it was just a, an absolutely stupid idea. A because we're using old technology. B, I figured if someone's thought, you know, why hasn't someone done this already? There's probably a good reason. And so there are all these reasons why I was doubting why it made sense, which leads to the second point. So the way I had to convince myself first, forgetting anybody else, I ended up doing interviews for nine months. For nine months, I hadn't hired anyone. I hadn't built anything. I just interviewed people with different kinds of disabilities, no disabilities, their family members and clinicians just to understand, hey, you know, what is your typical day-to-day -day routine? What are your pain points? And at the end of these long interviews, we're talking really long, the nine-hour interviews over three days. In the last hour or hour and a half, I would say, hey, by the way, we have this idea. Would this be helpful if we built it? 
And so at the end, it took me, you know, in retrospect, nine months was probably overkill, but it took me a long time to convince myself that this is probably not as stupid, as stupid as an idea as I think it is. And so at, at the end of nine months, we'd interview about 30, 33 people and every single one of them had said, can you please make this already? That's when I started prototyping. And after that, I started recruiting. I love it. And, and if you were to kind of, you know, do the opposite of what you just you know, talk about how you built it, if you were to look forward into the future, what do you see as the big vision here? Like what's the, what, what, what are humans doing in, in 10 years? What's the difference that you make in the world that they're doing, you know, then that they're not doing now, or in other words, what's the big vision here and what direction are you rowing in with your company? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of layers to this. So ultimately the vision is that there is a universe of ring controllable objects and that caregivers can subscribe to device data. So the caregivers get peace of mind. And with this universe of objects, any person, younger or older, disabled or not disabled, renter or homeowner, can stay in their own home with autonomy and dignity. Because dignity can't wait for better times. That's the long-term vision in terms of the technology. In terms of us as a company, my vision is that 10 years from now, People look back at us the way people look back at Apple now from the 90s, which is back in the 90s, Apple started asking, hey, why are all consumer electronic products built like coasters? They don't look good. They're bulky. They're heavy. They don't feel great. They're not designed to be aesthetic. Why is that the case? Why don't we start doing that and everyone will value it and then appreciate it? And now you, can, you, can, you wouldn't come across any electronics product that isn't nicely built and thin and polished. 10 years from now, I want everyone to be ideally looking back and saying, I can't believe we used to make hardware that was not optimized for disability first, which is our thesis. Our thesis is we only build technology that is usable by everyone by optimizing for disability first. Because by doing that, you include everyone in the mix from the beginning. It's good for business because you have more users. You immediately identify a, a strong go-to market and you're making social impact. And by doing this, it's never subtractive, right? If I make a ring that a blind person could use, and then I give that to you or to me, well, we can still use it. In fact, now we can use it in the dark. We can use it when we're chopping onions in the kitchen. We can use it when we've taken out our glasses and we're looking for our glasses. It's never subtractive. It's always additive. So why not do that? And we do this all the time today anyway. Closed captions, if you ever use subtitles. That was originally a technology created for people who are deaf, but we all use it all the time at home, at a sports bar, at an airport. Same thing with curb cuts, same thing with keyboards, same thing with straws. These are all originally built keeping disability in mind. And so why don't we just do that from the get-go? Why don't all companies do this with all their products? And so that's the vision. I love that. It's very powerful because I think a lot of people would, you know, would love this, you know, people with disabilities and people not with disabilities, but just enjoy having a product that is encompassing of everybody, um, so, you know, and, and serves different kind of different use cases and nuances. So I love that. And it makes me wonder though, that's going to be hard, right? It takes a, you know, and it's because it's a startup. So it's going to take a village for you to make it happen. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you make it happen? Are you hiring? Are you looking for users? Are you looking for, you know, investors to talk to? Like how can the forward thinking founders community help you make this vision come to life? Thank you. I appreciate that. The, the thing we're doing immediately at this moment is we just completed an accelerator program called Techstars. For those who don't know, it's a three-month program. It's similar to Y Combinator, if you've heard of that. 
Um, we specifically got into the one that is backed by Melinda Gates' venture arm, which is called Pivotal Ventures, and their focus is on older adults and caregivers, along with other people, like people with disabilities and so on. Fantastic program. I would strongly recommend it to anyone who's considering it. Right now, we just had our demo day about a month ago. Then I got engaged. And so that was the big personal life change that happened. And now I'm officially fundraising. And so if anyone can think of angel investors, micro VCs, or VCs who focus in this space who are an early stage investor, are not concerned or are not afraid of hardware, and we fit their thesis, would love to talk to them. And so any connections, any warm introductions, or if you're an investor yourself, please, be, please do reach out. That would be great. I think on the other end of the spectrum, it's anyone who believes that they could be helpful to the mission. So everything from an actual customer to people who know other people who could benefit from this product to engineers. We are, we've doubled in team since our team size since January, and we are still looking for electrical, mechanical, and firmware engineers. So anyone in that domain, in those domains are welcome. Awesome. And then for my last question for you, if someone wanted to get in touch or learn more about what you're doing, how can they find you online? Do you have a website, social media presence, an email address? How can someone learn more? Absolutely. So the website is a, a great starting point. It's www.lotuslabs.org. That's Lotus like the flower, labs short for laboratories.org. L-O-T-U-S-L-A-B-S.org. My own email address, you're more than welcome to reach out. My name is Deval, D as in David, H as in house, A as in alpha, V as in Victor, A as in alpha, L as in London, Deval at lotuslabs.org. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. And best of luck building this out. Thank you. Pleasure being here.